What is the one thing that when you were growing up, you had a little more expendable money than you have right now. What was the one thing that you would like continually like buy, but it was kind of like wasteful, you know, excessive, weird. I have right now, currently I'm looking at eight globes in my basement, eight globes in my basement. Are they <laughs> all over on my desk? Yeah, actually that's a, is that a terrific question? I think they're all of earth, but I do have an entire galaxy. Like they're, they're also different sizes. So like that one could probably be Pluto. That one, that's a big one. That could be Saturn. I don't know the solar system well either. Let's not get this confused as to why I have these. Cause I'm not huge in space or on space or geography even really, but like I, I have eight globes. What about you? <laughs> I don't like, I, I have more questions than just that though. This is the thing. So now Shoot, I've got to ask, I've got to ask, um, what's your favorite earth fact? Oh, so many that's facts about question. the earth. You got to have a favorite one. Oh, I'll go first and I'll let you think about it. How does that sound? Okay, no matter cool. what you build cool. on the earth, it can never get any heavier, right? Cause everything that you would build is made out of earth. So it can't possibly get any heavier than it already is. I don't, I like, I don't, I don't think I like that. <laughs> That's a mind fuck. Just I think <laughs> I, I don't know if mine's necessarily a fact, but I just Pangea is interesting to me. <laughs> I just, I feel like it's that we were all together. All the condents were together. And then somehow it just went, and now we're all separated like we are now is very interesting to me. They fit together too to well to like not have been one thing. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's true. Wait, is Pangea like myth? I think it's a, is it a theory or is it, I don't know. Is Shit. it a practice? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> we just exposed ourselves hard, dude. This bitch, this know bitch don't know about it. <laughs> Watch the breakdown. Exciting show we have. Uh, coming up, we have Avery Lewis McDougal coming up. Uh, the you joked international man of mystery. This is truly the master of disguise when it comes to uh, amateur and local sports around uh, uh, Edmonton and the Edmonton area. He's worked in Toronto. Uh, he loves Las Vegas. I think he's been into Las Vegas as well. So um, the work that Avery does, especially in this area, is terrific. And uh, we'll give him a chance to uh, talk a little bit about uh, all the cool stuff that he's experienced and gone through. And it, honestly, this is probably my favorite interview and talk that we've had this season all of a bunch of stories that uh, you wouldn't really ever anticipate and just so many unique sports I think that was you know the biggest 
reason that I wanted to talk to Avery is just because he's, he's covered such a plethora of sports that, you know, the average bear may not have had a chance to cover and, and certainly not where you think of the amateur ranks of sports. And a lot of people probably don't even know how to get in on the ground level of covering that. So here's a guy who's sort of made a, um, you know, his own niche, his own little career for himself uh, as a, as, as a media mogul and now a genuine contributor for the likes of Yahoo sports and that sort of thing. Without further ado, here is Avery Lewis McDougal. You're going to enjoy this one. Watch the breakdown. All right, we are joined by Avery Lewis McDougal. You have you cover everything, man. I love the stuff that you do, uh, the coverage that you're able to uh, get around to. You are currently a Yahoo writer. You are a podcast uh, podcaster, uh, an Edmonton Stingers web uh, host which is really cool because the Edmonton Singers, we have uh, seen a couple games and just been a part of that uh, atmosphere. And the Stingers are so cool. Some we want to get uh, into as well. Uh, I want to get to a few other things that you touch on, but something that I came across as well that uh, you started quite early in around 2010 was uh, Bleacher Report, working at Bleacher Report. How did that come around? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the research right there. That is the real research. <laughs> you know we come prepared. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. Let me get into that a little bit, guys. Um, so, okay, so about 10, 11 years ago, anybody could write for Beach Report. This is pre-Turner days. It was way before Turner bought them. All you had to do was make an account, uh, say what you want to write about, and boom, you could write about anything you wanted to. And I wrote about um, logos, lacrosse, I mean, looking back at it now, personally, I think it's horrible. I cringe reading myself from when I was 18, 18 years old. I cannot read that stuff anymore. But yeah, that was my first real major outlet. I got to do some stuff while I'm writing with, just doing anything and everything. And it was fun. But yeah, when when Turner took them over, anybody who they didn't want, sorry, you no longer wanted. I got the boots back in like 2012 <laughs> from Bleacher Purple. That was fun. I got featured in the LA Times. For a piece I did. Cool. What yeah, was so that? On what piece? It was on the top 10 worst two sport, two sport athletes in the world. <laughs> Who's number one? Yeah. Number one? I think my number one athlete was Ty Domi. Because, no other lie, Ty Domi in the 90s played two preseason football games for the Argonauts as a kicker. What? I'm not really? I'm not making that up. Let him kick for two preseason games. No, he has a soccer background too, which kind of makes does, sense yes. why he'd be a kicker, right? Yeah, like TSA used to show it back in the day at Sports Center. They don't show anymore. One of his field goal attempts, I'm not kidding, guys, went up in the air like 20 feet in the air, <laughs> came down, I was returned for a touchdown. It was a field goal attempt. I'm giving it Hamilton. That is amazing. And I, I got to wonder where your access to these sort of unique bits of information is coming from. Like, are you, are you a good networker? Are you a good researcher? What do you think it is? I would say it's a mix of both. I would say it's both uh, networking and researching because I like a lot of people who told me, well, where to find this kind of stuff. But also I, even when I was like 15, 16, I was very big into going down rabbit holes of information and looking up why this happened or what caused this or how we got here because there's so many stories in sports that people look at the surface level and don't really go deeper into. And for me, when I was younger, I was a teenager, 
that really was about, you know, uh, one game appearance in exhibition game. That was really about why a team wore these jerseys for a certain season. That was why a certain, uh, certain team uses logo. I always thought that was very fascinating. And the average person might think, you know, oh, I was kind of nerdish, I kind of geekish. But to me, I thought that was very fascinating because most mainstream people don't dabble, don't get that stuff very deeply. That's awesome. Well, so let's kind of shoot a little back farther with how you kind of got into sports writing and just why, just kind of accumulating this uh, ability to go down into these rabbit holes and then tying them into your, your appreciation and love for sports and writing. Wow. You know, I've always wanted to be a writer at some level. I've always had a passion for it, but back when I was in like 2008, 2009, there wasn't really anything to the access to writing wasn't what it was today. Anybody can get involved in writing now in 2021. You could be 15, 40, 55, doesn't matter. But I would go and search places to write on. I just felt like, you know, I want my voice to be heard on some sort of a platform. And my take to be good, my take to be garbage, fighting here. I want to get into the industry of sports media come hell or high water. And when I got into writing, I just felt like, you know, I couldn't be stopped. I would write on anything, be it again, my jersey takes, my takes on the Empton Rush, my takes on the CFL. And, you know, that, I see the Rush banner. <laughs> Unfortunately, now Saskatchewan, but that's yeah. a great ordeal. They left it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just got into it so deep. And what I loved was just the action was that, the acts I got into, like, people back then, 2009, didn't know what to do with a sports writer of my caliber. People, like, kids weren't getting into the press box at 16 years old in 2009. It didn't happen. <laughs> but, you know, I, it was fun because my voice got around, like, one of the, the first stories that got traction when I was, like, um, 17 or 18 was, you know the name Mark Mueller? Mark, Mark Mueller is the quarterback's coach now, I think, for the Rough Riders. Okay. Back in 2011, I did a story on him for Bleacher Report because he's the grandson of Ron Lancaster. Oh, wow. And really? he was vying for a quarterback spot. This is back when the CFL first started their CFL internships. When they would have a quarterback in new sports spend their preseason camp playing with the CFL team. And he was assigned to play for the now Empton football team. I did a story on him. I wrote about his journey, you know, being his CFL pedigree and his journey in CFL. And one day at practice, um, his parents approached me and said, hey, we saw your interview with Mark. We saw uh, your article on him. We love what you're doing. Keep profiling him and we'll keep doing that. And to me, that feeling of, wow, I thought it was so cool to see a parent of athletes saying, you know, what you did was dope. So like that validation was like, wow. If people like that say, I'm doing a good job, I'm making a real impact. To see, you know, players say you're, you're killing it the family say you're killing it like that is such a cool that's like a high to have the players family say you know what and the players themselves say we like you we rock with you and that's a great validation guys it's been going over the years you've had an opportunity or many opportunities to cover some sports that people wouldn't otherwise think even get media coverage i know you were a big with uh, the toronto Wolfpack. was that the the super league rugby team that you had yes. you were involved with a little bit there so there was that i mean lacrosse um you know maybe share some of these unique experiences that you've had some of your favorite uh, stories that have come out of the last several years of, of that sort of thing i would say the Wolfpack was by far my favorite one because cool. people realize in North America, at least, 
we see rugby as just rugby. One game, 13, 15 guys, violence, um, what's the word called? Cauliflower ears. You know, mm. that's what we see in rugby. Most North Americans don't know that there are two different codes. Union, which is the big one, the big one you see on TV, and league. League is the one which is much more like football, where you only have a certain amount of tackles, where there's a turnover, the faster game. And Toronto got in, and Toronto getting into the English system was so cool because how do you, how can you be a team in Toronto playing in an English league? Like the whole story around that was so cool. They would fly to England for four games, they'd fly back, and fans from England would wow. fly over. And Wolfpack, oh. like Wolfpack, and of course in rugby, it's like premiership, there's relegation and promotion. So first two years, they are we're whooping their bodies' tails. They're winning by 40 points. They're getting up there. And I was one of like the few, I, I was there from day one. I covered the first game. But what was cool was that I was doing my podcast covering these guys. I was getting attention over in England. I was getting followers by the hundreds in the UK, Fiji, Australia, what? New Zealand. And All the hotbeds. Yeah. And what came from that was probably like, 2020, um, January, I get an email, literally out of the blue, from a woman from a company called The City Talking. I, uh, Stacy Hicken, I thought it was a, I thought it was spam. I thought this was spam because she messaged me and said, "Hey, uh, we're launching a Super League um, TV show. We want you to be a correspondent for the Wolfpack." I'm thinking, wait a minute, this can't, this has to be some joke. No one goes on your Facebook and say, "Want you to be a TV show in England." So I researched a company. Legitimate company, they made a documentary on Leeds where it had Russell Crowe as a narrator. We're like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> this is a legitimate, this is no joke. Yeah. Like, and this company goes from hiring Russell Crowe to hiring me for their team. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure you want me? Are you sure I'm qualified for this role? So they hired me. And um, yeah, so I was a correspondent. And unfortunately, I couldn't actually be in Toronto. We kind of, we kind of like spoofed, you know, my basement in Edmonton. We kind of like said, you know, I'm in Toronto, hint, hint. So I couldn't be there yet. Mm. So we, we did that for six weeks. I talked about the team, two minute videos. And it was fun because I'm on Sky Sports, but also I'm getting, I'm seeing myself in commercials. I'm seeing myself in advertisement. But I learned that when you're a foreigner, some people don't like you. I laughed at it because some people thought, who was this goof with this? Weird hat and this weird accent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? It comes with it because one guy wrote on um, a tabloid. I think it was either the Daily Mail or something. A Daily Daily, Daily Mail. A guy did a, a review of our TV show, and he said one of our hosts, uh, Eloise O'Hare, she's from Australia. She said that her shoes made a little bit of dominatrix. He what? said that, yeah, he said that our, our main host, Will Perry, his, his Nike Airs were the color of dog diarrhea. And he said that me, my voice resembled a man having his testicles squeezed. Are you allowed to say that? Are you yeah, allowed to publish? It is a tabloid. It's like an English tabloid. Guys, think about our show and think about me. Like, wow, okay. At least they're writing about you. Did like, you frame it and put it somewhere on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> I got it saved. I mean, it was funny because I just think about that, guys. Like, we know how media is in Canada. I'm thinking, like, if someone were to say that in the Edmonton Journal, they'd be fired. Like, they would have a job next day. 
Yeah. <laughs> the uniqueness of it all. What is your background in media training or are you entirely self-taught? Uh, my background is, well, originally I was originally self-taught. I learned on the fly as a teenager how to write, podcast, but I did go to Nate. I went to Nate from 2011, 2013. I was in the TV program in Nate, but I was one of the few kids in TV who had a radio show because oh. I loved radio that much because I love the medium of talking on a platform that is less structured than TV and allows your opinion. Unlike TV, radio allows more opinion than TV, so I enjoy doing that still. But yeah, I went to Nate for two years, did the TV program side of things, and there's still footage of me on Nate News Watch. I did. Um, I know we had our for Nate. We had um, the, the kids in the second semester of Nate do a show called um, Nate Second Edition, which is more like a magazine style show, talking about Nate stories, Nate sports, and everything. Looking at Ernest's. Yes. Yeah. I, I hosted Ernest. I hosted the Ernest show once. That was and, so <laughs> and you can ask, you can ask a lot of people who were in my class were in into media. I did one episode of Second Edition. We reviewed a Steven Seagal movie, Under Siege. I did the review shirtless. <laughs> no shirts, no tank top shirtless. <laughs> so Stu Ceridiak's reaction was what? Chris <laughs> <laughs> Durham's reaction <laughs> was what? <laughs> Gary Thomas's reaction, bro, was what? <laughs> <laughs> well, when when we did we did the review, our we did our breakdown the next day. Stu's first question was, and Stu's big thing was, hide the microphone. So he asked mm -hmm. me why why wasn't your microphone hidden, or why wasn't your microphone blending in better? I told him it was my, it was my belt loop. I told him, well, where else was supposed to put it? on my nipples? Like <laughs> <laughs> the only place I could go was my belt loop. So. <laughs> And then I, it was funny because like the rest of that Nate program, uh, Chris Durham, let me ask if they knew my humor by now. So it was just a bunch of eye rolling. Like they, of course, if anybody's going to do that, like they knew my humor immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Probably awesome. luckily for you, just so you're able to, you know, continue passing <laughs> without your shirt on. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I'm, I, I know it sucks because, you know, I'm a skinny guy. So I said to myself, you know what? That's why I'm in, that's why I have a personal trainer now because my arms as a 19 year old were not very big. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, dude. <laughs> I understand. I don't have that issue, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> going from Nate, uh, you're professionally now with, uh, the professional local teams that you've been able to cover around Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton singers already mentioned uh, FC Edmonton, the Edmonton football team. Um, how like, who's the coolest up and coming sports team, first of all, in, in Edmonton, because there's obviously we, we talked about the river Hawks in, uh, I believe our last episode as well. And the Edmonton prospects. And, uh, those are exciting ball games. Um, the Edmonton singers is also an exciting, uh, basketball team. SC Edmonton, when we get back, like we are, I'm sure going <laughs> to pump almost every game we can. Um, there's so much exciting sports, but where can you direct us here? Well, I will be, I will say I am biased. It, I will say the Edmonton Stingers, don't be wrong. I do love my Eddies. I do love Riverhawks. But the Stingers, to me, I think right now is the hottest team because we, of course, this is a basketball team in the city, which is a winner. 
They won the CEBL title last year. In the bubble, but they're still champions. But what I like is that they've got the top-end talent, like Xavier Moon. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Xavier. Tell the people about Xavier Moon. We're because big we saw, we saw him in Moon one fans. game, and it's like, this dude's <laughs> yeah. different than everyone else on the floor right now. Mm-hmm. Like, Xavier Moon, he is a 6'2", slim point guard. You would think he's, a you know, the distributor of the ball. You'd think he's the point guard who kicks the ball out and gets out of the way. But no, he has ability to get to the basket. He's ability to he's a killer three point shot. He can drive the lane. He can dunk on people. He is a fun guy to watch. Like he's been getting so much attention that he had a tryout with the that Raptors I know five last mm-hmm. offseason in the G League. Like and of course pedigree. If you know basketball, his uncle is Jamario Moon, former Toronto Raptor. Oh, of course it is. That yes, yeah, Jamario Moon's his <laughs> uncle, and they played together one year actually. In I think That's awesome. the, I think the G League played one year together. So, but wow. yeah, no, um, Xavier is a slasher, great combo guard, and he's a perfect space for basketball in this city. He's affable. He's such a great personality. He was, it, it's a shame that he didn't get a second season. In I know he resigned for 2021, but it'd been great to see this team win the championship in Edmonton because I know we're going to have a, a fun event happening uh, uh, this summer if they did have that here. There's going to be some, there's no COVID. There's going to be an event, but covering <laughs> the Stingers, it's been fun because I, I did, because in 2019, I did a segment called Two Things with Avery, where I would profile numerous players and get their back, get to know about their backgrounds, get to know about um, their lives. But it's cool because the Stingers reached out to me as an offer because they knew I loved hoops. And I was a person who knew hoops at an in-depth level who could um, make these players personable to an audience. But in general, this city has looked for this city has lacked a strong basketball team for a while. The Edmonton Energy were here years ago and went under in 2012. I covered them in Nate. They folded. <laughs> they they were they were the top team in the International Basketball League, and they couldn't and the team ran out of money before the playoffs. Before they the were playoffs. the best team in the league. What? Yeah, so the team I didn't was, remember that. I, yeah. I really liked that. I went to like a bunch of their games. I think I had season tickets in their first season after the chill, even before yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I was so upset. I didn't realize they had lost money before the yeah. playoffs. They lost they money. They, yeah, I think they played like a 22 game season. They were number one team in the league, and the team couldn't afford them to go to the playoffs, so they folded. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> So this but, is what I'm picking up on is it seems like, you know, you look at the river Hawks that we talked about last week and mm-hmm. financially, it seems like there's a little bit deeper pockets involved in that. And I think yeah. obviously a lot more security. Oh, we lost Brett. I'm sure. Oh, we're back <laughs> on his dial up internet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, overlay the noise. That'll be nice. Hey, there's the man. There he is. Hey, <laughs> we've, uh, we've dropped and it down a peg. <laughs> Avery, it's, welcome. <laughs> it's my favorite oh, magic trick. Welcome, Brett. <laughs> so I, I was just saying that uh, you look at the Riverhawks, Brett, like we talked about, and with Randy Gregg and the ownership group there, and they've got the 10-year lease agreement with Remax Field and, and doing the upgrades and that sort of thing. You know, you can see... Um, 
maybe more of an interest from uh, a more stable demographic in that sense for keeping these different kinds of sports teams here. Everybody knows about the Oilers, but there's, there's almost these hidden gems sprinkled throughout and the whole rebrand of the, the Canadian premier league of soccer, I think has helped FC Edmonton in the same realm. But again, we talk about the stingers, we talk about the river Hawks and the prospects uh, moving out to that brand new ball complex and amateur sports are in a pretty damn good spot right now, considering aren't they? They are, yeah, and that's the big thing right there, Brendan. You mentioned ownership, like ownership that is stable, that's trustworthy. Because for years, Edmonton's been plagued by ownership that was shady, that pulled the plug, that for whatever reason just didn't work out. It's Edmonton. Tom Fath has been here for years and years, no matter what league he's been in. He stood by this franchise, um, the Edmonton Stingers. Right now, the CEBL is uh, centralized ownership, which for now works. To have the team all league-owned, it works right now. And then you mentioned the Riverhawks. Randy Gregg and his group have been have proven, you know what? The 10-year lease, we're going to make this work. That has been the big thing for Edmonton, I feel, is having owners that you can trust and, are, and whose financial statements are not going to bounce and are going to dip. So as long as these teams have the ownership systems in place, there's no reason to not think that the Stingers, Riverhawks, and Eddies won't be here for many more years to come, guys. Which is also what happened to the team that we referenced earlier over my right shoulder, the uh, Rush. Unfortunately, I again, another team that I was so invested in. I had season tickets every season. Um, and they pulled the plug and moved them to Saskatchewan the year yeah. they won the title for the first time. I cried. I did cry. I, I won't lie. But <laughs> I want to talk about your, your coverage with lacrosse because I noticed that you also wrote about the Toronto Rock. I did. Which is so cool because I, I had a video game too that the Toronto Rock was the first like lacrosse team that I really knew. And so can you talk about your experience with the Toronto Rock and just lacrosse and just it's such a underappreciated sport that I think needs so much more attention. It does. You know, for record, I played lacrosse as a kid as well, too. I played back mm. lacrosse. Really? So yeah, but, but I grew up, I watched lacrosse when I was a kid back when I was like, hey, right, bro, like, right, bro. like I watched a Toronto Rock when I was eight years old, but I knew the league and I, I knew the National Lacrosse League as a kid. I knew about the, I knew about um, guys like Gary Gate, Paul Gate. Um, I knew about um, all those all those guys across the cross league. So I loved covering that league for years and years. I knew Dan Dawson, um, Matt Mark Matthews. Yeah. So like so many of those guys that are to know in the rest of the league. Yeah, but to me, I thought lacrosse always been one of the more exciting team sports in North America. And again, it's too bad because not to cross it, you had so many teams like in my I covered them, I covered the league, I covered the rock for one year in 2016. I covered the rush for uh five years, and there were so many teams that went under. Like you didn't know if you're gonna see like I remember covering the San Jose Stealth. Where are they now? Oh now yeah. they're Vancouver. Where are they now? Now they're Washington. Like, yeah. Or yeah. The, the Portland, Portland Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. There we go. Yeah. The New York Titans, like all these the teams. Shamrocks. Like all these teams would, would come and go, but I just thought it was so cool because the access you also got was National Cross League was one of the first leagues that said, hey, are you a podcaster? Are you a blogger? You're welcome. They understood that they were not going to get every day the TSNs, the sports decks, the NBC, whatever, covering them. They realized that we work, work what we have here. And that might be letting in bloggers and podcasters. And for a while, for a long time, most of the NLL's media coverage came from writers or hosts who were under 25 years old. 
Wow. And it's it's interesting to see now the growth too uh, covering the league because now even with their their logo and their brand, they're mm-hmm. I think they're celebrating their twentieth or twenty fifth season now. Oh, they're more. They're at year thirty three now. Third, okay, there we go. I'm yeah. way off, but um, <laughs> you can kind of see just the, the almost. Oh yeah, now that I think about it, that is way mm. off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> close. We're yeah. old, man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, right? oh. Um, you can see kind of maturing with, with kind of the league. And I, I think I, I really want that league to, to really, I want them to come back to Edmonton, first of all, but um, you also see teams in Halifax. Now I'm hoping mm-hmm. that, that the growth there is going to continue, but uh, let's talk about uh, your relationships uh, that you've grown with, with everything that you've done, especially with Anthony Stewart. That's quite public on Twitter. That is <laughs> like, it's hilarious to see how, how has that kind of blossomed and what, what is that like? It's funny because, you know, it's funny because I've yet to meet Anthony. We only know each other through Twitter, but I just, I just think, you know, I just knew we had a lot of mutual friends in the hockey world and we had a lot of mutual friends through Joel Ward, Wayne Simmons. And, um, and I played the fact that Anthony is Jamaican, like me. I'm half Jamaican, half Trinidadian. Uh, Anthony is Jamaican. So I, it started with me just making jokes about hockey and curry chicken and roti and those kind of jokes. Anthony, that was hilarious. I would make these kind of jokes because Anthony on Twitter, mm-hmm. he would make these jokes about his brother when Chris was still playing. He would say like, you know, ah, Chris has drunk chicken today before the game. Like I would say, <laughs> I'd say with, a, with, a side of, with a side of plantain, and Anthony would be dying laughing at that. Knowing that <laughs> someone else in hockey is getting his joke about Jamaican food. So he followed me for that. And we've been talking, making jokes about, yeah, just the hockey culture, being black in the game. Every so often, like I made a joke about, hey, world NHL rights go next after NBC. And Anthony replied to me, BET. <laughs> oh, I almost spit take right there. <laughs> What is it like to have a bond with somebody that closely connected with the major sports league at a time where there is a transformation going on in terms of how, um, you know, inclusion, I guess, is prioritized in that setting? It's massive because, you know, we need more diverse voices in the sports media world, especially when it comes to hockey. Like when I see panels with David Amber and uh, Anthony Stewart, and you see Sarah Nurse get in there involved as well, too. We need to realize that hockey, like the, the, the term hockey is for everyone at times kind of rings hollow when you don't see substantial change. It's a thing where it cannot be, it cannot be a moment, it has to be a movement. It has to continue on and on and on. And I'm liking what I'm seeing in certain aspects, but we've got to make sure it continues beyond 2020 and 2021. You know, this, then there's going to be a day when the Ron McLean, David Ambrose retire. And we need these networks to truly say, are we honestly, if, we, if we're going to be about diversity, we have to look at all fields of who is ready for this, who's going to be on camera next. Because there's so, many people, there's so many people who are like me, who love hockey, who love basketball, who love baseball, lacrosse, but they're not getting chances because outlets are too afraid to get out of their comfort zone or look for who's next. And I think at times here in Canada, we're too, we're, we're too, um, what's what I want to say here? We're too scared of time. We like playing it safe. Not saying those people aren't talented, but some days to progress industry, we got to start taking some more risks. We have to take some more 
um, get out of our comfort zone and, you know, hire people who look like me, people who from the LGBT community who know sports, hire people yeah, who are Black, Latino, Asian, women, because our country is very diverse. Why can't sports media match that? How in the future do you think diversity in media should look and how do you think um, that can happen? I think it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be um, tokenism. It shouldn't be just one person. It shouldn't be, yep, we got the one black guy, we're good. Or it shouldn't be, yep, we got the one woman, we're good. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be more than just the one network hire. It's gotta be a group. It's gotta be a three, four, five. Like, it's gotta be to the point where I don't have to always, you know, make the joke, hey, there's Anson Carter's on Sportsnet. Or, you know, hey, so-and-so's here. Or whoever else is here. Like, if I can go about and not notice it, that's when we have progress. I don't need to be surprised. That's awesome. I I really love the, this, the passion that you have about just obviously this topic, but sports in general and writing and, and journalism. Um, we're going to wrap it up in just a little bit here, but I just want to touch on one last thing. Yes. So you were very vocal about uh, the renaming, the rebranding of the Montreal Impact and uh, mm. the now uh, CF Montreal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boys, let it out. Let it out. I It just burned me because MLS teams at times are moving to way too much just kind of forced European name structure. The Montreal Impact was a name that was around for over 25 years. There's history to it. There's impact to it, pardon the pun. Like, <laughs> there's a real legacy of Montreal with that name. And you go to this generic CF Montreal name to try to simulate to a standard. Like, come on, guys. Like, embrace your uniqueness. Embrace who you are. I love European football. My team, Everton, is going to be mid-table for the next 500 years. I don't care. But <laughs> mm-hmm. come on, MLS. Like, embrace the fact that you're North America. You know, if you want to have, like, some, some names work. Let me be wrong. Some names work. Into Miami is kind of cool. I like that. That's somewhat different. Yeah. But these new teams just defaulting to City or United or Real, like, that's not you. It's yeah. not authentic to the MLS, I feel. So in Montreal doing that, abandoning a name with too much history, it burned me and the, and the logo isn't good either. It's a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree. And when I think of a name like the San Jose Earthquakes, that's mm-hmm. an iconic team, right? Yeah. The, uh, you know, I guess LA Sporting Galaxy. Kansas City is not, you know, the LA Galaxy, another one, right? Like there's the way that MLS soccer is played is different than the way that European soccer is played. It's a lot, uh, a lot less skillful and a lot heavier, so to speak. Mm. Right. So why not have that uniqueness in the branding as well? But I'm glad that we get to finish on this note because, you know, MLS is definitely a part of your wheelhouse as well. And watching the growth of that league, you know, and how sustainable that actually has been over the last 10 or 15 years versus something like the NLL. That's got to have been a, a lot of fun for you watching expand and expand and holy cow, the expansion teams, you know, what do you think is, is, is so successful about what they've done over the last, I, I would, I would call it 10 or 15 years, basically since Toronto FC jumped into the things. I would say they've embraced their, their fan culture. They've embraced their culture organically. Like, 
the culture of MLS is growing to a point where it could honestly in certain markets rival some European cities. Like go to a game in Seattle, go to a game in Portland. Like they the culture has been organically grown up. Go to game in Atlanta. Go see yeah. Atlanta, what they've done. They've embraced the black culture. My buddy um, Aaron West works for CBS Sports covering Champions League. Aaron used to work for Copa 90 doing features. He went to Atlanta and did a feature on the culture of soccer in Atlanta. And yo, that city, people there may not be always fans of the Braves or the Hawks, or whatever, but they gauge into Atlanta as their team. Like 50,000 people strong go to watch soccer in the deep south. And it's, <laughs> it's so cool to see. Like the culture of it being fun. Like just how did they done, done that? It's so cool. But you know, I don't really, I, I hate the snobs. I hate people who are saying MLS isn't real. I challenge people, go to, go, go to MLS game or like this year here. I want people. You want hatred? You want passion? Whenever we get full stadiums again, I challenge European people who say MLS sucks. Go to Columbus and go watch a Austin FC Columbus crew game because that is going to be bonkers. If you don't <laughs> know about that, do, do your Googles on the controversy on the Columbus crew almost moving to Austin, Texas because, oh my gosh, that was a nuts idea. That's so cool. That is awesome. I have had so much fun with this conversation, Avery. Um, before we head out, uh, where can everybody find you? What, what do you have to plug right now? Okay, where you can find me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Avery at A-V-R-Y. Follow Avery Sports Show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and follow the Brad and Avery Hour also on SoundCloud. I do that with my, my longtime co-host, Brad Bartko, and also my read my work on Yahoo Sports, NHL, and Watch Zone Time, our brand new NHL series we do airs every Wednesday. I'm a part of a panel with names like Julie McKenzie, Justin Cuthbert, um, and Sam, Samantha Chang from the Broadcast Podcast is on there. It is a fun show that we do now. We launched that um, two weeks ago. It's just growing the game. You see my face more and more and more on your computer screens and your TVs. That is awesome. Thank you so much again. <laughs> and wherever you get your ear candy as well. Thanks, Avery. Of course, guys. Watch the breakdown. Always great to see Avery. Uh, when I bump and shoulders with him and the media scrums down at uh, whether it be the Edmonton football team games or if you just kind of see him out and about uh, at any of these sporting events going on in the cities. Uh, he's the jack of all trades, as uh, as we've mentioned, without a doubt. Now, Important for us uh, as, you know, young adults and, and former athletes, washed up athletes, if you will, to, uh, to just acknowledge as we release this, uh, the day after the three-year anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash, um, one of those things that, you know, for you and I, Brad, I don't think that we've ever seen or experienced loss like that, uh, you know, in the national um just something that scale that impactful there's I, I haven't had anything like that in my lifetime certainly and I can remember you know as we're embarking on our media careers we're out on the highway and and driving actually back from Lloyd Minster which was my first time in Saskatchewan just a couple of days after this had happened we were looking at a townhouse and we were going to go uh, do our summer practicum you know and we were we were working the radio dial on the way back, trying to find any sort of updated information as, as things were still trickling through the wire. So that's certainly one thing that I will remember out of that. And, you know, everybody has their own sort of story, but uh, without belaboring the point too much, just obviously important to, to keep them front of mind around this time of year. 
Yeah, definitely one of those moments where you don't forget where you were and, and just one of the darkest moments in Canadian history. Um, yeah, like you said, we don't really want to delve into it too much, but uh, I do have the, the the shirt over my left shoulder here. Um, just in remembrance, and uh, I knew a, co- uh, a couple guys on the team there. So um, wish send them well wishes today, and uh, yeah, just just all the best in the future. It'll uh, continue to take a community to heal from that, I think, you know, a, na- a national community, and so... Uh, we will forge on together as far as uh, the breakdown pod. Uh, if you're not following us already, uh, how'd you find us, first of all? But at the <laughs> breakdown, at the breakdown underscore pod on Instagram. That's the main spot. We're also the breakdown podcast on YouTube. Any final thoughts? I'm excited for the next episode. I'm excited for what's coming this season. I'm, that's it. Okay, good night. <laughs> Watch the breakdown. Care for me, 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 care for me